Hello, and welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Beyer. And I'm Len Foote. And welcome to the program. Tonight, we have a very outstanding topic and a very hilarious guest with us um, to talk about our favorite stand-up comedians. And uh, Len, I will let you introduce our our esteemed guests, since you since you two have a long history, uh, jail time. Um, yeah. Yep. Things of that nature. Our guest, <laughs> our guest tonight is Jason Acevedo. He is in my improv group, Hippo Horsey Donkey Monkey, with me, and he's been doing stand up since he was how old? 16. 16 years old. How old are you now? 26. 10 years. 10 years. And, uh, First thing we're going to talk about tonight is our favorite stand-ups, and then we're going to talk to Jason about how he prepares his act and some of his other favorite things about doing stand-up. So if we want to start, you want to start up right away with our favorites, or maybe we should start with number one, if you don't have a list, Jason. Like, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite stand-up ever? Uh, oh, boy. <clears throat> Jesus. Um, I guess I'm going to have to go, I mean, I have a lot of oldies on my list, but if I had to pick the one that... No, they could be any, they don't have to be new. I mean, mine are mainly people have been around for a long time. Well, I mean, the one that impacted me the most when I was growing up, other than George Lopez, was, uh, was Chris Rock, because... I don't really tell this story often, not because it's like negative, but it, it like never comes up unless you're a really good interview, uh, interviewer, Len. Um, but um, Chris, also, if you can hear me uh, chewing on a clementine, or that, is that what it's called? A little oranges? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway. Height of professionalism. <laughs> if, you hear me, if you hear me chewing on that, you're supposed to. So... Um, Chris Rock. Um, gr uh, growing up, I um, when I went to like family parties as a kid, uh, like with my mom and my sister was like in high school, so she didn't she could stay. I was like she would be out herself. I would have to go with my mom because I couldn't. I wasn't able to stay home alone. So most of the time, these parties didn't have kids my age, so they would just throw me into a room with a remote and the TV and they're like, here you go, keep yourself occupied for a couple hours. So then boom, Comedy Central after midnight, they would show specials uh, in their entirety without any censorship. And so I basically grew up with like Chris Rock, George Lopez, Mark Marin, Mitch Hedberg, and um, the original Kings of Comedy, you know, Bernie Mac, Dale Huey, all them. Uh, but yeah, Chris Rock for me, Chris Rock for me, when I watched Chris Rock, I, uh, I, I didn't know it was like, I went, I was a, I was, I was in, I was a wee Catholic schoolboy, and I didn't know that there was an outlet for you to go up and yell about things. And that is why I gravitated most towards Chris Rock was because, uh, it made me feel like I can actually express myself without any sort of 
without any consequence, I guess, is the word I'm looking for, without any retribution. I, I think seeing that raw art form and how he, uh, how he commanded a room and how he grabbed everybody's attention with whatever he was saying is what I immediately gravitated towards too. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. I like grabbing people's attention like that and talking about uh, almost anything and, and being loud about it. That's really what it was. Because if I had known about Sam Kinison as a kid, holy shit, I think I would have been completely different. But there is some Kinison uh, in me. Uh, but it's definitely Chris Rock. I like, I like knowing, I like, I like being, uh, what's the word? Not a smart ass, but like, it's, I like being a wise ass. So when I see Chris Rock, it's like, he might not be saying something that is uh, of a popular opinion or is a popular opinion, but he has a way to convince you that what he's saying is right, even though it might sound wrong. A lot of times when he talks, I'm like, he's one of the guys that like, I'm like, he's right. He's making great points and he's hilarious. Like all, and there's a lot of, uh, I think that's tough to do. And there's a you lot know of what, Can I say my controversial uh, opinion on him? I don't think he's that funny, but I think he is compelling. Like I can watch his stand up just because I'm interested in what he has to say, but I don't, I don't laugh that much. Wow. Yeah, I really don't. I don't laugh that much at his stuff, but I like watching his stand up if that makes sense. Cause I just like how he, I like what he talks about and I like how he does it. But to me, his stuff doesn't make me laugh that much. That is controversial because I think he is effing hilarious. Yeah. yeah I, where I, where I, is he I, on your list? Chris Rock? Yeah. On my list? Yeah. I would. He's on my top ten. Um, he is slightly uh, ahead of uh, Bill Cosby, but uh, I, I put him at number eight. I mean, my he list all the time. But he's definitely top 10. I mean, I think that guy is, uh, um, I, you know, I never, you know, I would, I, I would watch Everybody Hates Chris and I was like, eh, it's all right. And he's good on Fargo. Um, uh, but I think stand-up is where he really shines. Some of his short oh, yeah. are. Yeah, because I didn't, I mean, Saturday Night Live, I didn't think he was good on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Stand-up's his, stand-up's his thing. Did you uh, see his uh, short movie where he talked about why you should vote for Barack Obama and why he's a whiter candidate than, uh, than Mitt Romney? <laughs> no. <laughs> Man, that one. That, that so funny. Yeah. I still think Kill the Messenger is uh, one of the best specials ever because that was during yeah. the, uh, yeah. the McCain-Obama McCain election. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that so much because it's just like, uh, I, there was a bit where he was talking about how he was like, I'm not going to listen to McCain because, you know, why would you listen to him? All his friends are dead. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, you know, why are you making decisions for the future when you're not even going to be here? <laughs> right, right. And that's funny because, I don't know, to me it is. and But yet that's the that's so true, too, at the same time, like. That's why I, that's why I enjoy him. Like, um, and I see what you're saying, Len, because I think there are people like, like that guy, Bill Burr. Um, oh yeah. 
you, his, you know, his whole thing on SNL, that whole uh, monologue is very controversial um, when he was a recent host. And I was like, I agreed with 99% of what he said, but I only thought like, I didn't think most of it was too funny. Um, I thought it was more correct than, than funny. Well, he, I think uh, Chris Rock is. I got, I got yelled at about Bill Burr because when I heard he was hosting Saturday Night Live, I said, I really got mad at him because he was on Conan like a year or two ago. And he's like, oh, the president doesn't affect your everyday living. And I was like, are you kidding me? Look what's going on right now. How is he not affecting our everyday living? This should have been over in May. So I, I got mad and I wrote it on a Saturday Night Live post and everybody was, I got yelled at by a couple of people. And they were just saying stuff like, just because he said one thing you don't like. I'm like, I'm just saying. I'm like, I just thought that was a dumb thing to say. And so, but I don't even know if I've seen him do stand-up. I saw him maybe uh, just like small bits and stuff, like on talk shows. Yeah. Well, he's one of those he guys. He was good in that. Was, uh, he was one of those guys I wasn't into in the beginning. But because I honestly was just like, I can only take so much of an angry white man's voice from Boston. <laughs> yeah, right. But then I... Uh, he was good first, in that Pete Davidson movie. But the first uh, special that I ever watched of his was the most recent one, Paper Tiger, and I thought it was brilliant because I think his voice kind of uh, calmed down since, like, his earlier stuff, and I, I just... I loved it because it was also shot in England, so uh, a lot of it was just like, oh, yeah, you guys are fat here, too. So it's like, it's nothing... <laughs> Nothing different from you just because you guys have just seven accents. That's it. But yeah, I think uh, I, I, I've grown to love Bill Burr for sure. Well, what I read about, I, I was my crack staff, we did some research for this podcast. Yes. And what they say about Bill Burr is he usually just he'll throw out something controversial right away. That's kind of his way of doing stand up. Like, yeah. he gets out there and he says something like that. And then it's like his technique is to try to persuade you to his side. Yeah. yeah. But I think other stand-ups do that kind of stuff too. They just kind of, because yeah, I mean, it's, it's not going to be funny if it doesn't surprise you at least a little bit. His stand-up is like, um, it's like things that white guys want to say, but can't. <laughs> and also like, it's like an ignorant Ted talk. <laughs> <laughs> he has a he has a he makes a lot of good points and like he's really cool with like he has like the stamp of approval from like Chappelle because he was on the Chappelle show uh and like he he was in the Boston comedy scene uh, before getting to New York so he was like really cool with like some of the craziest like uh comedians like Patrice O'Neill and like he was around CK and, and, and Chappelle. So he, he is not like when they said his SNL monologue was controversial, I was like, that ain't shit. His, his right. stand up that was mild compared to the things he's done over the years. So I, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. And also like, it's always, uh, it's always white women who get angry first. I just, just like, <laughs> just, are you guys even watching for the show or are you watching for the commercials like nobody gives a fuck like who cares that you're angry like go fuck up another election and we'll see you in four years 
I, I think that was half the humor was uh, watching all the outrage of the white women on Twitter after uh, his, uh, his jokes about them on SNL. That <laughs> to me was half the jokes. Right. Here, how about, uh, here's something that we could do. We will list our top tens, Jason, me and, I, I always call him Beave. Do you know I call him Beave? Beave? We've been calling him Mike to you, but nobody calls him Mike. Everybody calls him Beave. Okay. Yeah, it's something to be. Uh, we list, we'll, we'll do our list and you, you tell us what you think of them. Or if you've even, there might even be a couple you haven't heard of because we're old and you're not. I also really, I also, I take offense to that because I, I'm, a <laughs> I'm a student of comedy and you work in a bookstore. So I want to say this. <laughs> I feel like there's a delay anytime I insult them. It's five <laughs> seconds later. I want to say, yeah, you, you, you have a lot to say over there in your 1998 webcam from Gateway. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on over there. It's very foggy. Uh, your your buddy over here though has got like that's a good quality webcam. But by all means, go ahead with your lists, and I'll criticize Len every step of the way. <laughs> Listen, let me let me churn my computer first, and then we'll talk. <laughs> I gotta get the generator working. <laughs> Len is existing right now in this smoky fog. Is it's adds to <laughs> air of mystery. Yeah, his looks like a sauna, and mine just looks like a. Mine just looks like I've come too much on it. That's all. Can't, can't a man take a steam while doing a podcast with his friends? Is there something wrong with that? <laughs> all right. So how about we do this? Well, uh, you already, what's your, what's your number one beef? Start with your number one. And then right. Jason, you, you react if you want. You don't have to react. Oh, I will. All right. My favorite, um, uh, and really, the, these change all the time. But really, my favorite comedian still has to be Richard Pryor. Oh, okay. I know it's Richard, great, Richard it's Pryor is my number two. So number two. Yeah. It's very. Oh, uh, all, I, I'm sorry. I, I could tell you right now, Len, put Carlin at number one. But go ahead. Nope. No. Carlin didn't even make my top ten. Wow. I know. I know. But go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Beavs. Len's being a total jag bag. <laughs> You're tuning in. Jag bag. Right. Uh, th that's, it's, a, it's a familiar complaint I get from our global fan base. Is that, uh, you know, you have, uh, but uh, yeah, I would say Richard Pryor's one. I would put George Carlin at number two or one A. Um, okay. I mean, sometimes they're like interchangeable. Um Number three would be uh, Steve Martin. Uh, Steve Martin's my number one. Uh, uh, number four, and this is now. This is now. This is my controversial choice because I like him. I think he's hilarious more as a talk show guest than an actual stand-up comedian. But um, I geek out on Don Rickles. Um, you know, talk show appearances. I mean, that guy's hilarious. Was. Um, so he's number four. Um, number five would be uh, Dave Chappelle. Nice. Um, I've eaten chicken with him. You've eaten chicken with him? I have. When? Uh, <clears throat> he was here uh, before his two, before the first two specials of like four or five or whatever he has on Netflix. Uh, he was on tour. 
Uh, so he stopped in Chicago. He had this like residency here in Chicago where he just did a show. Uh, he did like eight or nine shows in a week or something. And it was at Talia Hall in Pilsen. Yeah. And uh, I, I uh, didn't really grow up watching Chappelle. So I went with a bunch of friends who did, who were uh, other comics as well. So they, you know, we, we enjoyed doing group activities back then. Yes. Uh, so we were just like, yeah, let's all go watch Chappelle together. And uh, one of our guys knew uh, the opener for Chappelle, who's a Chicago guy. His name is Uzer Usman, who's one of the best comedians in the city. And uh, 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 we didn't find this out until after the show, but he told us that he talked to Uzer and that he said that we were cleared to go backstage and chat with Chappelle uh, in between the first and second show. Awesome. So we watched the first show and then we went backstage and we waited for a good 30, 40 minutes because Chappelle was in another room getting high before the second show. <laughs> and uh, I got excited once again, because again, I didn't grow up with Chappelle, but I got excited because they said Harold's was catering. So I got a mm. lot of chicken uh, and then we were just waiting and then he came out and three quick observations that I remember was he's not that tall. I think he's as tall as me, if not a little much taller. I don't know. Like, not that tall. They're always smaller. Uh, than you. They're always smaller than you think. The he was hot. He was high as shit. And <laughs> the first thing he said to us was that it's a pleasure to meet you guys. And I was like, "What?" And uh, yeah, we talked to him for a good forty-five minutes, hour before we left, and then uh, that was cool. And then I I met up with him again at the comedy store in Los Angeles, but it wasn't really a meetup. He popped in to do an hour unannounced. And then after he got done, I followed him. And mind you, this is my first time at the comedy store. I followed him. He was talking to some white girls out in the hall, taking pictures. Then he walked into the kitchen area. And then past the kitchen area, there's a door that says, uh, there's like a plaque that says, uh, this is sacred ground, only invited guests, comedians, and staff are allowed to be on this point. So I stopped. And I listened in, it was him, he was, he was talking with Jeff Ross, and I think, uh, uh, I don't know who else, I don't know who else was there, but I just remember seeing Joe Rogan in the back when Chappelle was on stage with Neil Brennan and a bunch of other comics. But I sat down in this like little waiting area next to the door, waiting for Chappelle to come out. And then he came out, and then I just said, the name of the theater in Chicago is Opener, and that was it. And he was like, oh, shit, I remember you. And he pulled out a cigarette. And he was like, yeah, let me talk. Look, we, we can talk. Uh, just let me use the bathroom. So he went into the bathroom. And right as I was about to turn around to sit in my chair again, some, some dude with an earpiece was like, yeah, you can't be back here. So then he just took me away. And I was like, motherfucker, he just said that he remembered me. What are you doing? So then, yeah, that was it. They took me back to my seat. So that was the second time I uh, ran into Chappelle. But the first time I got to actually spend time with him. He seems like the kind of guy who would like hang out. Uh, oh yeah, super chill. Yeah, his stuff's great. I mean, obviously his show is immortal, uh, but I, I've never I really, seen it. I really oh, it's on Netflix, baby. Do yourself a favor. I watched my first. Well, actually, my second and third ever. I've never seen his show for whatever reason. First I episode. think when his. Show was on Comedy Central. I think I was just 
I think it was, wasn't it like 2003 or something? It was a while ago. Sure. I, I think I was just, that's when I was doing a lot of Yeah, you were watching, shows. you were watching Flip Wilson reruns. You're doing. Yeah. That, <laughs> speaking of Flip Wilson. Anyways. But for whatever reason, I never saw it. And I still haven't. Episode one. Watch episode one and you'll be hooked. Yeah. I, um, I watched my first, my second and third of his stand-ups this weekend just to watch them. And I liked them. But it's, it's, it's kind of weird watching all that stuff after everyone else has told you how great it is and you're watching it 10 years after <laughs> everybody else. I mean, his first special I watched, it was 20 years ago. About killing them softly, but even uh, yeah, that's that's that was 2000, I think. And even then, 20 years ago, even before he had his Comedy Central show, all the people are just going crazy. And just my favorite thing in a stand up show is when an audience member tries to stand up and do an uh, do a standing ovation by themselves, they're like clapping, and they're the only ones standing up, like, and it's it happens. At the time, it's not even a joke. It's just some observation that the comedian makes, and they're just like, oh, yes. I would have said that if I was a stand-up. It's so weird. It's just like, just sit down. Just sit down and laugh. That's, you don't need to turn it into a wave. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I, what? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, you know, I think that that's one of the secrets to Chappelle is like, you think he's only been around, a f I don't know, to me it feels like he's still like only been around for a few years, even though the guy's been around forever now. Yeah. I mean, he was in uh, Nutty Professor, and that was mid to late 90s, right? The Eddie Murphy remake. Right. So I remember him from that. Right. <laughs> His character was just going, bitches, they're shopping. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that would be cracking me up but uh yeah he's, he's been around for a long time now and but the only one i had seen before this weekend was the george lopez one and that wasn't not george lopez george floyd one and that wasn't even stand-up that was just him oh no that was just that was just commentary. that was just him right. basically doing a monologue about the horrible events you know right anyways so who's who's next on your list Oh, so then the, to round out the list would be six would be, uh, this is more controversy, but I am a sucker for Rodney Dangerfield. I mean, that guy just kills me. Uh, sure. All those, like just those quick one-liners. They're so cheesy and like cheap. I, they kill me. Um, seven would be Bill Hicks just cause, uh, yeah. Uh, eight would be Chris Rock. Uh, nine. Um, just on the strength of the album uh, himself alone would be, uh, I, I know he's in disgrace, but I laughed really hard at Bill Cosby. Uh, still yeah. do. Um, I, don't, I don't think what happened to him changes the fact that he was hilarious for a long time. And then 10 was a comedian that I have met, um, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Um, oh, nice. He, uh, he came to, I was a freshman at Northwestern and he played, and this was before the, this was before Seinfeld. Um, I just dated myself there. And, uh, and he was, 
he was Jason dead. knows you're old. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and uh, this is during the late 80s. And he was just a guy that you saw a lot on Letterman. And, uh, and my roommate was supposed to work uh, security for the show. And for whatever reason, couldn't do it. And he's like, hey, there's, a, there's this comedian that's uh, working at the, um, at the auditorium down the street. I can't do it. Could you fill in for me? And I said, sure. So I go down there. I'm vaguely aware of Jerry Seinfeld. And uh, I get to the show and they're like, all right, you're working security. You'll be on stage with Jerry Seinfeld because the stage had two stairwells going up either side. So they put one guy on the one post and the other guy uh, on the other. So I was stage right, um, just sitting on the top of the stairwell. Out comes Jerry Seinfeld and uh, sees me and makes a beeline right towards me. And he's like, oh boy, they really brought out the heavy hitters for security. <laughs> this guy, I am in good hands. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it was hilarious. And, uh, and then he would, and then I was, of course, a running bit during his show. He would come back to me and say like, your ticket, please. And uh, that was just stuff. just him? Yeah, it was just was him. Just, he didn't have uh, an opener or anything? Nope. And uh, I mean, he was, uh, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was doing a college show and he really was not that, I would not say he was all that popular. Um, he was definitely, you know, in the up and coming um, ranks at the time and uh did and then he do an hour or what was it? yeah i'd say he did about an hour it was brilliant i thought it was hilarious and i was like this guy's great and uh i met him afterwards we went backstage and and he had no entourage nothing it was him and uh a woman and uh and they were he was like where's a good place to go where's a good place to go eat here and, uh, so I gave him a couple of recommend. Hey, sorry, I made fun of you. Just part of the act. You understand? And I was like, Oh no, it was hilarious. Ha <laughs> ha. And uh, and that was it. That was it. And uh, and then he went on to become Jerry Seinfeld. Um, and uh, so that's my top ten. And honorable mention. Um, and uh, I was just listening to him over the weekend. Uh, I do love old Red Fox. Okay. <laughs> it's. You can see them coming a mile away. I don't care. They're hilarious. Um, and uh, so that's my top 10. Nice. Okay. So I'll finish up mine. I had Steve Martin one, Richard Pryor two. I'm surprised I put Eddie Murphy three. I'm surprised you don't have Eddie Murphy on yours. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, he's like top 15. Yeah. Because Delirious we watched that so many times when that was out. Yeah. I don't know how it would play today, but. I watched Raw, and I feel like that has not aged well. Yeah, but I don't that's know. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, a lot, of his, a lot of his comedy has not aged well, but that doesn't take away from, like, the dynamic or from how, how much of a dynamic performer he was and how he, you know, before the pandemic, he was preparing to make a comeback. His uh, He was on uh, Comedian's getting coffee and cars with you know and uh he was awesome that was hilarious he still got every last one of his of his gifts yeah and snl he was he was hilarious last year yeah. yes yeah i put him up i put him up that high because delirious that's that might be the comedy special i've watched the most is yeah. 
I'd say that's the one I've watched the most. And the Steve Martin comedy albums are the ones I've listened to the most. Yep. And uh, Richard Pryor's Live at Sunset Strip movie, I watched that a lot too. Yeah. And uh, my fourth one is super controversial. I put Louis C.K., even though I don't know if I would ever watch him again. <laughs> but before all that stuff happened, his stuff is so funny, man. He would make me laugh so hard. I saw him last November at Zanies in Rosemont. Yeah, was he? Was it good? That, that shit was insane. It it made me fall in love with comedy again, and it was crazy because I I played that room like two weeks later, so it was like, oh my god, it was, it's just crazy because you know he's one of my. Heroes. How did he seem though? How did he seem? Well, did you watch the special that he put out recently? No. Uh. How did he seem? He seemed fine. He no, I know, but is he is he defiant? Is he apologetic? How do, that's what I meant. That's what I mean by that. It's more so like when uh, you it's just like a kid getting caught and you know what you did is wrong. So uh, he talked about it. He he started off by just going, So, um, what kind of year did you guys have? <laughs> Because I'll tell the you, thing is, it, nothing like the one that I had. <laughs> What's funny and is Chappelle. Like, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, he talked about it. Yeah, but uh, the other thing that he said, too, was, uh, what did he say? It was, uh, he's like, you know what? I'm jealous of all of you because you all have a thing that you do sexually that you keep to yourselves, like a thing that you're into that might not be popular or might not be appropriate. Um, and now everybody knows my thing. I was on a plane yeah. and a child pointed at me and said, mom, that's the guy that masturbates in front of women. And I was, my mom called me and was like, oh, hey, you're in the New York Times. I'm like, yeah, don't read that. That's not a good, that's not for a good reason. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and in the special, he talks about how his mom died. And um, yeah, so I, 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 that, that hour when I saw it in person, it was amazing. I, I was like, it was, I was hurt from laughing so hard. And like, cause I had seen him perform at the Chicago theater in 2016, 17, something like that. So that was when he was working on the 2017 special, which was garbage. That was what, that was that, um, that was his attempt at like, uh, fucking, what do you call it? He was pandering to like the NPR crowd wearing a tie and shit on stage. I hated it. Uh, so when really? he came back for all this shit happened, uh, yeah, it was like, if you listen to Fresh Air, you're going to love 2017 by Louis C.K. Shit was boring. Wow. Uh, but this new special that he put out, and when I saw it live, it was just, again, it made me fall in love with comedy again. But uh, what was shitty about it, too, is that the first night of him at Zany's in Rosemont, there was a fundraiser being put on at Zany's in Old Town by one of the women that had accused him of masturbating in front of him. <laughs> so that was bad timing. Oh, man. But also, like, again, It's just such you know, a weird thing to do, though. It's just because, you know, you could argue technically he didn't do anything wrong because he told people they're going to do that. But right. I don't know. It's just so weird. It's just hard. It's just hard to look at him almost. <laughs> But anyways, my number five is Sarah Silverman. Oh, okay. Six is Stephen Wright. Oh. 
seven, Robert Klein, eight, John Mulaney, nine, Gary Shanling, and 10, Andy Kaufman. I just finished the, uh, what was it? It was, a, it was just the Gary Shanling show, right? Yeah. The one where he was uh, a late night talk show host? Right. Oh, Larry Sanders. Oh, Larry Sanders. There you go. I, ju I just finished that this year, and I, like, started watching it more when quarantine was put into place, and, oh, man, I love that show. It's love one it. of my favorites. I love that show. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about Rick Torn uh, except for, like, him in Men in Black, so when I got to see him uh, episode after episode, that was great. Rip Torn's great on that show. And, you know, it's funny that you bring that up. Remember when we did our talk shows last year, I was trying to to make sure I didn't do anything Larry Sanders like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beef didn't always, see that one. Beef was too busy to I see the amazing it. Jack Lincoln show. Oh, well. <laughs> he missed it. I think there was a uh, I think there was a Fresh Air uh, Society meeting, and uh, so I was at that one. <laughs> we we're talking about our favorite episodes. You missed also, it. Also, keep it was a really good show. Keep discussing. I got something I want to show you that I got to get. Uh-oh. Anyway, <laughs> our guest has left. I always get nervous on Zoom calls when the guest says, I got something to show you. Yeah. yeah. I always <laughs> apprehend. Don't worry, because whatever you're we'll... doing, you'll have to pay for that. <laughs> so I got this at a flea market in Detroit. Look at oh, that. cool. Yeah. He gave it to me. It was like, 50, uh, yeah, he, I paid for $15 for that record. Uh, Jason's holding up Richard, a Richard Pryor comedy album called uh, That N-Word is Crazy. What a jag bag. Just say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying here's, it. <laughs> uh, here's uh, Steve Martin. Ah, yes. a classic. Yes. It's real cool when you uh, love it. Real cool when you open it up. Look at that. Yep. Yeah. He's holding up Steve Martin's "Let's Get Small." I think that oh, one was one of my favorite. Oh no, this is a wild and crazy guy. Oh, wild and crazy guy. Wild and crazy guy. They're both great. The, uh, Let's get small uh, and wild and crazy guy. I got it for like four bucks downtown uh, last week. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, uh my wore, I, I wore that out growing up. There it is. Delirious. Yep, Eddie Murphy Delirious. Look at that, pulling out the vinyl. Mom's Mabley. Mom's Mabley. Look at that. This one I got in Detroit as well. <laughs> oh, look at Red Fox. <laughs> yeah, so Red Fox's like, laugh of the party on vinyl. When, uh, when this guy goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to name some old guys. I'm like, well, you haven't seen this. So. <laughs> that is old. And then I also have my uh, Curtis Mayfield uh, vinyl record over there that I bought last week that I was I've been looking for for years. He's a Chicago yep. guy. He is. Curtis Mayfield is great. Is so, great. Jason, anything anything about my list you have to say? Anything else? No, it was all right. I I was expecting Gallagher in there, but uh, you know. <laughs> For the most part, it's fine. Oh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> well, Gallagher really is everyone's number. Really. Somebody, 
what we're Here's doing is we're just doing our number one with the universe dominated by Gallagher and his water. I wasn't shocked that you had Gary Shandling. I was expecting it, honestly. Why were you shocked by that? No, no, I said I wasn't shocked. I was, I was expecting oh. Gary Shandling from you because I don't know if you ever told me, but I did get that kind of vibe when we did the late night show thing. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was trying to be careful not to uh, I, um, I, subconsciously I, take anything from Larry Sanders. So, Len, I, the, I, have, a, I have an issue uh, <laughs> with, with uh, your – what's wrong with what, – what do you have against George Carlin? What's wrong with George Carlin? I don't think George Carlin's funny. George Carlin, I've tried with him, and he just doesn't do it for my, me. My, my thing is that if you want someone to tell you the way it is, you listen to Pryor. If you want someone to lecture you, uh, then you listen to Carlin. Yeah, maybe that's why I don't like him. I don't feel I don't. There's not enough funny to his rants. Len doesn't, I guess. Like, Len doesn't like being educated. He doesn't like. He doesn't. I I prefer to be dumb. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna start chalking up how many times Jason has insulted me today. Car Carlin isn't someone that I'm like. I don't I don't go home and like. Oh, I'm gonna pop in some Carlin. Carlin, it just pops up by accident. And like, like, I don't, I, I don't know. Like I, I always, I always love watching any prior special, but like Carlin is one of those things where you just have to like make a, you have to make it uh what do you call it? Like you have to make a date out of it. Does that make sense? Where it's like, it's an event. Like you have to sit down and actually watch because it is like a lecture. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. I'm just not a big, not a big fan of his. He's one of those but, guys. Like I get on like a, a YouTube rabbit hole, like I'll come across, I'll get pushed a George Carlin uh, routine on YouTube and I'll watch it. And before I know it, I've been watching 45 minutes of just George Carlin, old George Carlin and re recent George Carlin, which was, um, and, but I agree with you. I don't, it has to get pushed to me, but then I kind of binge and can't stop because I think it's hilarious. Well, he also uh, what was crazy is that he had a he had a nine eleven special uh, that um, was recorded not too long before nine eleven. It was called "I Kind of Like It When a Lot of People Die," which is so weird. <laughs> so, the timing of that is really funny. Uh, but yeah, it would it it didn't really make it. Uh, it was recorded to literally no, not even yeah, September 9th and tenth, two thousand one, and wow. then the, they they released it, but it would be it was shelved for a while. Yeah, um, uh, and when I say for a while, it, uh, it wasn't released until twenty sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, like. Uh, uh, there's there's a show on Netflix right now. It's called Medical Police, and it's a comedy. And it basically got released right before the pandemic started. And it's about these. Do you ever watch, have you ever seen Children's Hospital? Yeah, it's a really funny show. It's Rob Hubel and Aaron Hayes, and in it they become they're doctors that become um, police, and they're trying to track down who, how this pandemic happened talk about worst timing ever that's a feel-good uh uh show 
It's, I mean, it's uh, Lewis Black. I, watched, I still watched it, but I'm sure nobody else did. I'm surprised Lewis Black didn't make it onto your list, Glenn. I don't, I'm not that familiar with him, to be honest. I mean, I, I know I who he is, but yeah. Well, Love here, Black. Jason, do this real quick, because you've only named a couple. Rapid fire, name like eight, eight comedians you like. Uh, the ones that you haven't named? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Uh, Kinnison, uh, right. you said honorable mention was Red Fox. Patrice O'Neill, uh, Louis Black, Bernie Mac, Wanda Sykes, Wanda uh, Sykes. Uh, and George Lopez. Okay. I forgot about Wanda I would even I would even throw Freddie Prince in there. Why not? Yeah. Here, yeah, you go way back, Jason. That's great. You really are a, um, you know, the history. So that's great. Oh, yeah. So let me ask you two guys. Okay, there were two. So I posted on Facebook. I said, "Who are your favorite stand-up comedians?" And there were two stand-ups that got the most mentions. So you guys guess which two got the most mentions. CK and Pryor. Kevin Hart and Dane Cook. <laughs> Beef, do you think our friends would pick Dane Cook? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. They they pick uh, they they pick brackets wrong. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck was that candy bar shit? You fucking <laughs> What kind of sacrilegious bullshit was that? I swear to God. I tell you what. Man. It's a well-known fact that Dane Cook fans like Reese's. That's just well-known. We have befriended some of the most uncultured swine I have ever had. This yes. Of when I think you, Jason, I think super cultured man. Man who walks around in a tux. I mean, damn. How do you – what? What is, what is with this nation's obsession with peanut butter? Like, get over it. Like, it's – Go fuck yourself. Like, I swear to God. I love peanut butter. So overrated. Um, oh, I'm sorry. So I Kevin Hart and I'm gonna say Richard Pryor. Those are nobody my- nobody named Kevin Hart. Nobody named Dane Cook. <laughs> Richard oh. Pryor. Um it's okay. maybe one person. So you guys haven't guessed the two that got the most mentioned still. So you guys each get one more chance, and then I'll tell you who, who it was. Uh, oh, shit. <clears throat> Somebody say Whoopi Goldberg Cook. in there? What? Somebody say Whoopi Goldberg in there? Does Whoopi Goldberg do stand-up? Sure. I mean, her one-woman show is considered a stand-up special, so. Oh. I'm okay. wrong way. Nope, nobody named Whoopi Goldberg. You guys are doing great. Oh, 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 oh. I, I also would throw in uh, Dick Gregory. I, I forgot to throw in Dick Gregory. Dick Gregory. Uh, Woody Allen. Did somebody name Woody Allen? No, nobody named Woody. You guys are terrible at this. What about, uh, popular, popular stand-up comedians. We've talked about a bunch of them. Jonathan Winters. What is wrong with you? I'm thinking of people who look like they eat a lot of peanut butter. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Lenny, uh, Lenny Bruce. Jonathan Winter. No, Lenny Bruce got mentioned once. Bob Winters seems like he's insane. And anything I've seen Jonathan Winters in, he seems like he's off his meds. Off his meds. I love Jonathan. Yeah. Bob yeah, no, there was Obviously, anytime Bob. Anytime I've watched him on anything, I was always like, there's something wrong with this guy. 
Robin Williams? Did anybody name Robin Williams? Yeah, but yeah, but he wasn't the most mentioned, but he got mentioned a few times. Joan Rivers? All right, two more guesses. Bob Hope. I, I, think, I think I've given you 12. Nope, no Bob Hope, no, no Joan Rivers. You each get one more guess. Uh, Russell Peters. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, okay, serious. I'm going to say. Uh, oh, Dice. Andrew Dice Clay. No. Nope. He didn't get any mentions either. Wow. Schumer. Schumer. Schumer for sure. Schumer. Chappelle. Chappelle and George Carlin. Oh, okay. My 18 year old loves. Dave Chappelle, like, just thinks he's the, the finest. Yeah. Nice. I am going to do a stand-up bracket. I don't know when, but I will do one. Well, the uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup equivalent will be Gallagher, and he'll win. <laughs> How about Carrot Top, the hilarious Carrot Top? No, no one I mentioned mean, Carrot Top. I mean, eight. This is going to be like 192 bracket by the time I'm done writing down all these stand ups. Jesus. Carrot top. Hey, it's a pen. You write with it. Oh, phone. Hey, let's talk. If, oh. you're a fan, if, if you still watch Star Search for some reason, I, you're a fan of Carrot Top. <laughs> Beeb has always been jealous of Carrot Top's success. I have. It's true. Oh, my God. It's true. Well, like, why didn't I, I think of that? They had a big I'm rivalry. Beef tried to be a pop, uh, prop comedian when he was at Northwestern, <laughs> but Carrot Top had beaten him to the punch. So. <laughs> I know, Beef. Uh, it's a hard number, but. There's got to be a there's there's got to be a twelve step program for that decision making to 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 have finally, like, why that's your last. Like that's your last decision is to become a prop comedian. Like you don't nobody <laughs> dreams of being that. That's your last resort. This is it. If it if it doesn't work out, if this doesn't work out, you I forget though that he was also the star of the critically acclaimed chairman of the board. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of the uh, was it? Didn't he do the one eight hundred collect call commercials? Carrot top. Yeah, I will have to go back and look at that. <laughs> Wait, hold on. There was like a hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right. I just watch a lot of TV. That's yeah, I did the commercials. A hundred. Oh, and it was one eight hundred call AT and T. There you go. Not collect. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. Brilliant. Nice. Anybody else we want to talk about? Oh, you know who I really like too that I I could have put. There's two SNL guys I like that could have made my top ten. Norm Macdonald. I always think he's really funny. And uh, Adam Sandler, I think, is really funny, too. Nice. What's, uh, what's our take on uh, Albert Brooks? Kind of, uh, that's where you I haven't seen too much stand-up of his. His movies are really funny. Have you seen him do a lot of stand-up? I know he started out as a stand-up comedian, and there are people who are like, Albert Brooks. Stand-up. Yeah, somebody mentioned him. What stand-up comedy could be, and I—I don't know. I never, you know, Albert Brooks in general. uh, I feel like there's as many misses as there are hits with Albert Brooks in general. I disagree. I think Uh, most of them are hits. 
Well then, you also are a I don't really, I'm, I don't really trust Len when, with anything culture. So. <laughs> oh, a, really? That's a good way to if live Len, your life. If Len, has, if Len has a good book recommendation, I'll try it, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't talk about comedy because I work at a bookstore, so... Lens, although Len's uh, pictures, his his uh, bookshelf picture collection is really unrivaled. Uh, it's going on now. Uh, I want to know how big your bookshelf is. It's got to be. Uh, I'm, I'm almost. I'm almost done. I just got to do my music book pile next. Yeah, he's not. He's not one of those people that just collects books to look like they read a lot. He actually reads them. Yeah. Which Boy. is impressive. Is it? It is impressive. <laughs> Wait, was that a compliment for both of you? No, there there was a lag, and I called you. <laughs> I did compliment you. I think I'm getting soft in my old age. There was a severe yep. lag, and you heard things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's. Uh, anybody else you guys want to mention? David Tell, uh, I think he's really funny. Mort Saul. I have you listened to Mort Saul? Not at all, but it's a great name. Mort's, Mort, I, I don't know anything about, I know he was a comedian, but I've never seen, he's from like the oh, 50s, oh. I think. You want to hear something random? So you've, you've both have seen, uh, you both have seen um, Ghost, right? The, yep. Uh, Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Um, that guy in the movie, Willie Lopez, he was a comedian. Really? Yeah, it's so random. But if you look him up on YouTube, uh, yeah, he, he was a comedian. And his name was uh, Rick Aviles. A-V-I-L-E-S. Um, and another stand-up comedian that a lot of people don't really uh, pay attention to, they just know him as Mr. Miyagi. I had no idea he was a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Like before he got famous in the movies, he he did a lot of stand up. No, he was famous on Happy Days. That was his first thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know Pat Morita did stand up. Yeah. Wow. Jason is educating us. It's funny. Uh, what's uh, what's uh, our what's the collective thought on uh, Jack Benny? I mean, would you consider him a stand-up comedian, or is he more of like a mono? I think Jack Benny is hilarious. Um, um but is he not a not exactly stand-up comedy? Wow, I'm well. I'm surprised Len didn't mention the Three Stooges. Ooh, <laughs> they're not stand-up. Why would I mention the Three Stooges? <laughs> Jason just throwing out weird random stuff. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, you know what? I, I was gonna ask you. Uh because you know your books and stuff. Um have you ever heard of a book called Dead Funny Telling Jokes in Hitler's Germany? No. It's about a uh uh a comedian who told jokes uh or who, who, a comedian who did like he told jokes during that era and for some god forsaken reason it's 920 dollars on amazon and i don't understand why 
<laughs> like that, Don't buy that it, book, Jason, because it'll come back to haunt you. That book. Don't like, buy if, it. If that book, if that book doesn't lick my asshole, it's not worth the price. <laughs> But don't, yeah, never buy it, even when you're rich and famous, and I play your neighbor on your sitcom, okay? Yes. That's the plan, remember? Yeah. That's the plan. Well, keep saying neighbor. I'm going to make him my dog. Without the, I'm not going to uh, play your dog. It'll be animated. <laughs> Just the, oh, the, the show okay. Will, if it's animated, no, no, no. that's fine. If it's no, no, animated, no, no. I'll, play, I'll play your dog. No, you didn't let me finish. The show is live action, but your portions are animated. <laughs> that's fine. I'm not proud. I'm, not proud. I'm in. I'm in. All right. Well, let's let's go into your own stand-up experiences. So you've been doing stand-up since you were 16, right? Yes. What was your first show, and how did that come about? What What was my first show? Yeah, your first stand-up show. I mean, if we're getting technical, the first time I ever cracked a joke in front of an audience where I had a microphone and there was an audience in front of me was when I was, I, I can't remember if I was three or five. I just know there's a video of it. And it was during my baptism. It was like my baptismal, what do you call that shit when you have a party after? Is it just a reception? I don't know. So my sister put me up on a like giant speaker and she asked the DJ for a mic and she gave me a mic and then she basically was my first comedy writer. She fed me a joke in my ear and, you know, historians look back on this moment and think to themselves, it really wasn't a joke. It was more so just a, it was a comment. So the comment was, do you, I also, I can't remember if I did it in Spanish, but I, I said, do you guys like the food? And everybody said, yes. And I said, good. Cause I made it. And that was the first time I ever made an audience laugh. I think there was a good 200 people in there. Uh, so then after that, you know, fast forward through uh, years of childhood obesity. And I made it to 16. Uh, and funny enough, the first time I did stand up was because I took a class at Second City of all places. And I, it was like a half improv, half stand-up kind of thing. And I can't remember if it was that class that Alex Moffat was my teacher, who's on SNL now. Oh, really? Hmm. Um, but yeah, so it was pretty random because I did a stand-up class. And then I was like, cool, got some jokes. And then they had this thing, uh, they had this like uh, teenage, like this kid, like youth teen uh, open mic that they did on the weekends. So the first couple open mics that I ever went to were at the DeMott at Second City. And uh, soon after that, I joined like the summer improv boot camp thing at Second City. And then this, this is what was cool. So I just did the improv summer camp, but they also had a stand-up summer camp. Uh, rich kids would pay for both. I could barely afford one. Uh, and so I was just in the improv one. but then. When my improv show was over, my the stand-up teacher for the stand-up course of, for the summer course, I knew of him. He was the one who hosted the youth teen uh, open mic. I asked. I was like, "Hey, that was like the, that was one of the first times where I was like, "Hey, can I do some time? Like, you know what I can do? Can I do some time?" And he was like, "Yeah." 
and then he had me close it out. And I had, I did not, was not expecting that. He had me close it out and I did. And that set is on my Instagram. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, Len, but it was. No, I never six, have. Yeah, it was me at 16 and doing a hot five or six or whatever it was. And it was, it went super well. Um, so that was my first uh, showcase, suit and tie. It was very professional. And it was like, if I could describe to you the kind of comedy I did when I was 16, it was Colombian Bill Cosby. <laughs> very clean cut. Uh, family jokes. Family jokes. Uh, everybody was awake while I was doing it. No one was put to sleep. Uh, <laughs> uh, although there were a couple of quaaludes beforehand. Uh, but I said no because I'm like, oh, boy. But Wait, yeah, so you took the quaaludes or you distributed them? To... <laughs> yeah, he heard I was Colombian, so now he's trying to figure out if I made a profit that day. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that was my first that was my first showcase. So you asked me how was it? Is that what is that what the question was? No, I just want to know what your first one was. Yeah, that's what how it was. You, how you started? Sixteen, and I did that. That was my first showcase. And then like a week or two later, I had a, I, I was part of a youth group for a while at a church uh, because pizza and basketball, that's really the only reason. Uh, <laughs> or reason. And uh, they were, the, the pastor was like, or the priest was like, hey, we, we're having a church carnival next week. Do you want to do comedy? And I was like, okay, sure. So I did my first hour two weeks after I did my first show. You did an hour? I did. And it wow. was so it was so stupid because I had my notes next to me the whole time. And it was at a carnival. So it was like in one of those tents that people just walk into by accident thinking it was like a bathroom or something. And it's just like, oh, okay, I guess we're here now for a comedy show. So people would just randomly walk in, like, what the fuck is going on? And they would sit down and I'd be I was up there struggling for an hour. I mean, so I got off and some people were like, Oh, that was really good, blah, 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 blah. But it was the first time I did an hour, and it was very – it was great. It was ridiculous. Um, and then I did another show after that, and I don't remember it at all. I just – I don't remember. I don't remember the kinds of jokes I was doing back then. Uh, but I can tell you right now, they were not good. They were just acceptable for, like, the crowds that I was playing, which were just, like, family-friendly, whatever. Yeah. So did you, like, write them out and then kind of memorize a bit and go out and do it? Or were you sort of, like, flying by the seat of your pants and, and kind of rolling, riffing? Well, when I did my first showcase, that was all written material. And I was very um, – I didn't necessarily – like, I would write down what I would want to say. And because I started out in improv, I really never felt the pressure or, like, I was never inclined to stick to what I wrote. I was fine with using that as like a guide and then going from there. I wasn't afraid of going off whatever script I came up with or whatever the, the whatever I set forth on a piece of paper was not like, it wasn't, it wasn't that strict on my end. I didn't stick to one thing. I would, I would expand a lot on stage. Yeah. So I think Is that how you do it now too? Yeah, I think I got very comfortable uh, when I was young where I would write something down. I, I was never someone to write a whole thing out and then do it that way. 
uh, I do my writing on stage where I like, if I come up with an idea or something, I just write it on my, my phone or my notebook or whatever. And then I just go up and I <clears throat> explore it. And then it's like, a, I think of it as like a, uh, every bit is in orange. So when you're done squeezing the juice out of an orange, there's still, you know, the peel. So then you could start peeling that and examining that. So it's, it's a lot of, uh, I, I don't, I don't necessarily know when to stop with a bit. I don't, I don't know it's done until I've exhausted all uh, angles of yeah. it, if that makes sense. But isn't that a problem? Like, let's say, you know, when I, when I saw you at Zanies and they only give you a certain amount of time, how do you know, all right, what am I going to end on if you're doing it that kind of way? Well, it's just uh, like, that's what sucks. See, that's why I wish you had come out to Zany's and Rosemont where they gave me 25 minutes. Uh, at Zany's Old Town, when someone gives you five minutes or something, how do you know when to end? Uh, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just shortening your set. I, I, I already know what the closer is going to be. It doesn't matter how much time I'm doing. It's going to be the same closer. But you just have to be weary of the time. So, like, my yeah. closing bit is I talk about an Uber ride where a passenger asked me to sing an Adele song, which I did. And so that it normally is between three to four minutes. So if I'm going to close with that and I have a five minute set, I have to do, it's just, you know, math one to two. I did. I did see you at Zany's Rosemont for your longer set. Don't oh, you remember oh, a bunch of us came? Oh yeah. But that it was, was me, me and me and Sammy and Adam. What? Wasn't that, that was one like 15 minutes? Huh? No, that was that was a 10 minutes. So that that's when I had just started uh Oh, that was 10 minutes. There. But I'm telling you, the nights where I did 20 minutes at Rosemont, holy shit, I felt like a goddamn king because it was just like women were dripping wet. I had deep dish in the green room. It was such a good time. <laughs> uh and Len Len would have been dripping wet too if he was there, but it was really <laughs> um I've seen oh, you. Yeah. I've so, seen you a couple. I've seen you twice. I've seen you twice. I saw you at Old Town, and I, I saw you at uh, Rosemont. The Rosemont oh, one yeah, was really Rosemont good. Rosemont was amazing. That was really funny. Yeah, Rosemont. Okay, here's is, here's uh, a good question. Here's a good question for you. Okay, yeah. so what was what was your toughest night of stand up, and then what was your best night of stand up you've ever had? Well, there was a group of Jews. Uh, let's start with, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, the hardest, you said the, the toughest night of stand-up? Yeah, the night, a night you, things didn't go well. Oh, man. They, I don't know. Unlike, unlike you, Len, I don't really focus on my downfalls. You can't I, they really because they've all gone really, really <laughs> well. <laughs> Um, wait, so you asked me when it didn't go well and when it did go well? Yes. Your least favorite and your favorite. Your favorite experience. Let me start with, let me start with my favorite and then we'll make our way down. Because <laughs> I, okay. I, I can't think of a horrible time. Because I well, that's like good. I that's good. Maybe you, maybe, you never, maybe you never bound. Oh, no, that's not true at all. Not true at all. Let's put that – let's make that for the record. That's not true at all. I'm not perfect. I, I, I've, I'm pretty sure I've – I've had a lot of times where it didn't go well, but I've like trained myself or my brain to like block out those memories. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Well, I, I think, have to. 
I think the best one is it, it's like a three-way tie. Uh, first one was in Paris, France, not Texas, for all you uncultured swine out there who are tuning in. <laughs> uh, Paris, France. I was there during the uh, – well, yeah, Len Reads, so he knows what this is all about. The uh, Do you remember the Charlie Hebdo – I don't know about you, Beavs, but I, I'm not assuming – uh, but if you do read, congrats. You, oh, yeah, you went to Northwestern. You're I read what Len sends me. Um, nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. We, uh, but I, there, I just friend. send him old crack magazines. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, oh, my God. I can't wait for this beef in my face. Um, <laughs> so Paris, France, 2015. It was during the Charlie Hebdo attack. Do you remember that, Len? Yeah, I remember the story, yeah. too. You told me so the story. I was, I was there during the Charlie Hebdo attack, and I was in Paris for a study abroad uh, uh, writing program thing. So we studied, like, the beat generation in Paris, like Kerouac and Hemingway and Gertrude mm. Stein and Baldwin and all those. Um, so it was a creative writing class. So I, before I made it to Paris, I... Uh, just did all the research that I could to see what was going on in terms of like stand up in English. So then I uh, finally found somebody by the name of Sebastian Marks. I hit him up and I was like, Hey, trying to do some stand up. Uh, and, and then he let me do it. And then before I got to Paris, I had only booked one show, but after doing that one show, uh, or actually I lied. Sebastian told me to contact somebody else. So then he had me contact another guy by the name of Robert Hain, who's a really good guy. Uh, so I ended up doing this show called French Fried Comedy. And great fucking show. And speaking of Jews, the venue was like what you would expect out of like a hiding room for like Jews, like a hiding place. Like it was very small and like Anne Frank would have fucking had an orgasm and how small and fucking cozy it was. But anyway, um, I, I ended up doing that show, and it went super well. And then the next day, the attacks happened. Uh, so, again, I was only scheduled for one show, and then that one show turned into four or five. And then I, the next week, I closed out that same French fried show. And so that, that leads us to the good thing that happened. So a week after the attacks, I was uh, doing a show. And he, uh, yeah, I, I want to preface this by saying that this was uh, uh, easily one of the, like just being in Paris, but performing in Paris during a time like that, or even when you take that out of the equation, it just was one of the most like gratifying, uh, just it felt so surreal. I never thought I'd end up in France or Europe. Um, Right. So it was, it was just one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. So this led to a moment where I did my set and it got to a point where I, being the American, being a true American, I decided to interject myself into an event that had nothing to do with me and ask uh, if they had any extra oil lying around. Uh, but my, my thing was, <laughs> my thing was I did my set and there was a, a part of the show or a part of the set where I got quiet and I asked the audience, I was like, or I didn't ask them. I told them, I was like, look, I, and I have a recording of it. And I said, 
something along the lines like, look, you know, I want to thank you guys for coming out and supporting live comedy. You know, some people in this world might not like that we come out here and have the freedom to do this, to drink a glass of wine and enjoy someone talking their shit or whatever. And I quoted a, a comic uh, from, from, from the scene. His name's Tom Morton, very good guy. And in a discussion that we were having earlier in the week, he basically let out a great quote and it was his, he just said, you know, for, uh, for anybody that's associated with ISIS or whatever, because that's who ended up being responsible for that uh, attack. He said, fuck fear, we're here. So that stayed with me. So then during my set, I just said, you know, I ended my little whatever uh, speech thing with just saying, you know, fuck fear, we're here. And you can hear in the recording, someone just went, huh, nice. And <laughs> then it was, it was just very quiet. And then I end my set with, um, I was going to take my shirt off, but I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. And <laughs> everybody lost their shit and then I took my shirt off anyway and then after, after the after the show a woman came up to me and she was in tears and she said uh, she said something along the lines of like thank you so much for going up there and, and saying the things that you did uh, it really touched my heart and I was just like uh, that's fine but uh, your city, I said your city definitely, definitely has touched my heart or some shit like that. All I know is that it ended up in my fucking final movement piece thing that I had to write for my class where I just said some cheesy ass thing that actually was said, uh, where it's like, Oh, you touched my heart with that comedy of yours. I'm like, oh, not as much as your city touched mine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's very, uh, French. it's very French, uh, yeah. moment. Yeah. And then we shoved escargot up each other's asses. <laughs> this is what you get uh, so when we get a guest in jack bags. Oops, about escargot up your ass. Oy, oy, oy. Oh, this is the promo. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's one thing. The other thing was in Portland uh, at one of my favorite comedy clubs in the nation. It's called Harvey's Comedy Club. And I had been there before. So first of all, Portland, I want to make this clear to Beeves. Uh, white women with fat asses is my fucking jam. <laughs> Love that shit. God damn. Uh, can't get enough of it. Honestly, that's what's ruining me. My doctor, I don't even have health care anymore, but he said right before like my month was up or my year or my 26 years of or 25 years of health care, he was like, you need to lay off the white women because they really are doing damage. And like I, I did this bit at Laugh Factory like two years ago where I was like, "That doctor I, uh, is such a cliche." I said, "I said, I said at Laugh Factory they two years ago." White women. Yeah, he <laughs> said uh, two years ago at, at Laugh Factory, I did a joke that I have not done since, but I want to do again. You know, when we're allowed out, yeah. uh, that. Uh, when I die at my funeral, you know how people always have like pictures of them, just like, hey, like they're like, oh my God, look, that's who we lost. Right. Um, Montage. Yeah, I don't want to have pictures of me. I just want to have pictures of every white woman that, ha that, that killed me slowly. And each, each woman will have, it will be their name and what, what happened and how many years it took off my life. So it would just be like, okay, so we have, 
we have uh, we have Dolores here introduced him to crocheting that took three years off his life. <laughs> we have uh, Mandy over here. Uh, she introduced him to vegan deep dish that took five years off his life. And then right <laughs> over here, right over here, we have Bridget, and uh, and it just says that's it. It's just the name. It's just that's that's all. That's all. Serious. It it's just the name. Um, so anyway, I was in Portland and I was, uh, the first time I'd gone to Portland was in December, the, the night after I filmed my first comedy special, I flew out to Portland for nine shows in seven days, I believe it was. Jeez. Or no, I'm sorry. 11 shows in like eight days or something like that. So a lot of those were like independent shows. So it wasn't like comedy clubs, but then I stumbled upon Harvey's comedy club because, uh, someone I met at an open mic basically told me or at a show told me hey you should check out this open mic uh oh no i was at an open mic at another comedy club and they were full so then they told me to go to the other one then when i got there the guy who was on the lights recognized me from a show earlier that week and said and told the host he was like hey this guy's in from chicago he's really good please let him go up uh don't give him the light and i was like okay so i did my time and then the, the booking manager of the club just happened to be there. And I got off stage and he was like, hey, uh, what are you doing this weekend? And I was like, oh, I just have some shows lined up over here, over here. He's like, well, if you want to come in and do a couple guest spots, they're unpaid spots, but we'll feed you. And I was like, stay Perfect. less. Uh, and then I did that. And then from Len looks very entertained right now. Uh, <laughs> Len, is, Len is nodding off, but it's late. Uh <laughs> That, uh, so I ended up doing two guest spots at that club, but then that uh, led to uh, a full week in April of 2019. So here's the good thing that happened. I got to open for, uh, he's like my comedy uncle now. His name is George Perez. And he's really cool with like comics like uh, Joe. He's been on the Joe Rogan podcast. He's really huh. cool with Joey Diaz, uh, Burt Kreischer, Russell Peters. He's really cool with a lot of people. So I opened for him. It was a great time. Awesome time. And um, what happened was I did, we were doing two shows in one night. So we had a seven o'clock and then like a nine 30. So in between those two shows, I had a woman come up to me after the show. Cause I set up a little table where I sell a bunch of shit, including my body. And I had a, uh, when, when the show, <laughs> when the show ended, she came up to me and she was like, hey, it's really good, hilarious, blah, 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 blah. And I'm telling you, Beeves, it was a white girl, fat ass. Oh, wonderful time. Three, three years. And uh, Three years off your life. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I was selling my special. And great weekend, by the way, in terms of like uh, merch, merchandise sales. Um. But she comes up and she's like, oh my God, you're so funny, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, well, you can buy my comedy special and laugh anytime. It's $10. And she just went, ooh. And I was like, look, look, look. If you follow me on Instagram, I'll give it to you for $5. And she just went, ooh. And I was like, why'd you make a noise as if I added five more dollars? I took away $5. <laughs> and then... And then I, I shit you not, Beeves, and I don't know if I've told you this, Len. I shit you not. I looked her in the eyes and I said, if you fuck me, I'll give it to you for free. 
and, and without hesitation, Len, she said, yeah, I'd be down for that. Boom. Bastard. And then she gave me her number. I did. I told her I had a second show lined up, so I had to do that. Then after the show was over, my buddy George was like, hey, are you trying to hang out after? And I was like, I can't, George. I got some premium top shelf Portland white pussy waiting for me. So if you'll excuse me, uh, I'm sure we'll drink soy milk after the shit is over. Uh, but anyway, I text her and she's like, I'm at this club. So I make my way to this club. I pay for parking, go into the club. There's a fucking cover. There's two girls behind me who don't have any cash. And I was like, girls, I got this for you. I was in such a good mood. So I paid for their cover, pay for my cover, pay for parking. Going to the club. This girl is nowhere to be found. There's a VIP area. I tell the bouncer, I'm from Chicago. I'm trying to get some pussy. I'm a comedian in town, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, cool. Just go in there. You can't stay in there. Just look around. If she's not in there, she's not in there. I'm like, cool. Appreciate it. And then she wasn't in there. So then I called her. And then she said that her friends took her home because she just seemed like she had enough. Uh, like she just seemed like she was tired or whatever. They were just like, you know what? You need to go home. You seem... You're like you're you're cramping our style like go home you're tired whatever but then she was like here's my address so then i drove through the wilderness that is portland and i made it to her place and she was the first girl i ever 69 she made me trifle after she lent me a robe uh that i got to wear i oh my god i i walked around naked in a robe and it was so it's gratifying in portland yeah um and then we spent the entire night talking to each other, and we still talk to this day. Uh, and, yeah, that was amazing. Len, that's um, happened to us, hasn't it? What? <laughs> Wake up, Len. What happened? <laughs> that's, uh, Len, that's happened to us, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so the worst thing, so I can, uh, so Len can go to sleep. Uh, the worst thing that had ever happened, I don't, I can't really think of anything. I mean, the fine I don't know. What's that? It's a fine life. Yeah. I have to get, I have to get back to Len on that. I really, I honestly can't think of a traumatizing, maybe it was before I went to, I mean, it's not really podcast worthy, but like right before I left for Paris. But right before I had found out that I was going to go to Paris, I did a show, uh, and it was horrible. It was in college, and nobody laughed, and it was just bad, which was shitty because I was a sophomore heading into my junior year, so it was like towards the end. I had been performing a lot in college, and I was killing it, killing it. I thought I was going to lose my virginity one night because I was killing it so hard, but that didn't happen. It happened when I was 20, and I paid for it, and it was the best $100 I ever spent. For an hour, it's pretty cheap. Um, and uh, she was also a beauty school student, I guess. So I felt like I was just paying for tuition. You know what my thought process was when I paid for a prostitute? You know what my thought process was, Len? I told myself, if Maya Angelou can be a prostitute, why can't she? Like, I felt like I was funding a future Pulitzer Prize winner. So, oh, who you're getting? She's uh, she's just trying to make a living. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't help, though. Uh, if you want to watch my first special, I open by talking about that experience. But it's not fun when you pay for what you want and all you get in the first 10 minutes is her asking, did you come yet? It was horrible. Uh, 
repeatedly. You got to work so, on Yeah. Uh, but the worst thing was just that show, I guess. And I went to a Dunkin' Donuts after with my friend uh, at the time. And he basically talked me out of not quitting comedy. I thought that night I was going to quit comedy because that's how, that's how bad that sentence. Yeah, there you go. There's your bad night. And I had a, what do you call them? They're not Jehovah's Witnesses. They're um, Freemasons. I had a Freemason come up to me at a Dunkin' Donuts. And I just remember him asking me if, if I had money to change a tire and I just, I just showed him my, uh, my, (laughs) my fucking, what do you call it now? The Ventra. But back then it was something else. It was a U pass. I just showed him my train pass because I didn't have money. Um, But yeah, he talked me out of it. And then a year later I ended up in Paris performing. And then that led to me performing at the world's largest uh, arts festival in Scotland in Edinburgh, the fringe. Nice. Yeah. I got pussy in Scotland too. It was fun. It's a good time. Stand up comedy. That is uh, the way to go. Yeah. All right. How about to finish up with you, Jason? Um, To be a stand up comedian, what are three things you think you need? You can't. Oh, wait. Three things that you need? One, yeah, to be a, a to be an effective stand-up comedian, you gotta be fat for sure. <laughs> uh, did you see Richard Pryor before he started purging? Um, <laughs> no, uh, the three things that you need. Um, number one is no fear. I think a lot of people. Uh, well, here's the best way. I describe stand-up comedy. Let's get into that first. Uh, well, I, can, I think that can be one of the reasons. One, no fear. Number two, you have to like jazz. Or at least have some sort of appreciation for it. I swear to God. You have to... Beef made you, you say to, that, didn't he? You don't, you don't have to like jazz, but if you have some sort of appreciation for it, that's amazing. Because I like jazz a lot. And anytime I say that, it, yes. People just make fun of me automatically, and I'm Not like, me. "Go fuck yourself." Because Jason's chances are, friend. yeah, chances are you eat Reese's peanut butter cups and think that's the best. <laughs> We're gonna send you some Fedora Jasmine merchandise, Jason. Stick with me, Jason. Yeah, send it over. I actually have a fedora for my dick, so um, one for each ball. So I, I love jazz. I my guy is Charlie Parker. I can't get enough of the Birdman. He rules. Uh, I dig Miles Davis. Yes. Uh, um, and uh, yeah. So anyway, the thing about stand up and jazz is that it's very similar, and I'll tell you why. Stand up and jazz. What's jazz? Jazz is simply three things, in my opinion. Um, it is uh, improvisation, uh, timing, and rhythm which is essentially the same thing for stand-up. Now, here's the thing that I like to say that blows people's minds all the time. So when you take improvisation, timing, and rhythm, you get jazz, you get stand-up. A lot of people in Chicago, or a lot of people in a lot of scenes, comedy in general, a lot of people when they start out, 
you know, what makes, what makes good comedy, what makes good jazz is if, what makes jazz cool, what makes stand-up cool is if you're doing it your way. And a lot of people essentially in stand-up and in jazz, if you're not doing it your way, if you're not being original, you're essentially just playing a cover. And that's what a lot of comedians are doing. They're playing covers. They're not being themselves. They're trying to be someone that they look up to or someone that they admire and try to be close right. to that, whatever that person is doing. And I think for me, when I, I started out, it was a combination of like Chris Rock, Cosby, and George Lopez. And then in high school, it turned into CK and Chris Rock and, and Pryor and Red Fox. And then as I got older, I started to, you know, I started to eat pussy. And then I got a, yes. I, I got, I got a more worldly view about, you know, if you, <laughs> that'll do it. If you, if you eat where life comes from, <laughs> then, and you, then you find you your begin voice. To develop, uh, you begin to develop a more worldly view. Holy shit. That is a quote. I, I'm going to have to look back at this podcast for no other reason than that quote. I think we found um, tagline. Uh, yeah. Get that on a quilt. Um, so Number one, no fear. Number two, have some sort of appreciation for appreciation for jazz. Yes. And number three, number three is, um, I would say, persistence, because a lot of people, especially my generation, need some sort of instant gratification. Right. They they need things to happen on their schedule and are too afraid to let go of their timeline and realize that they're on an even bigger timeline. Right. Um, So when you put things into perspective and realize how minuscule and how fucking worthless you are, (laughs) how how meaningless you are, then you start to realize that, oh, well, uh, I'm this tall, or I'm this small speck of dust in this universe and I might as well spend my time trying to go after something that somebody else gave up uh, in another lifetime. Uh, uh, And at the end of the day, um, you know, I thought this year was going to be the year I was going to finally make it. I was going to audition for the world's largest comedy festival, the Just for Last Festival in Montreal, uh, which has launched the careers of many comedians. I thought uh, I was on my way to a, a comedy festival in Jamestown, New York. Uh, which is in its 30th year. It's the Lucille Ball Comedy Festival. I got invited to that. And actually, that is another good thing that happened out of comedy. Last year in November, I was at comedy or at uh, Laugh Factory. And uh, long story short, I did a set where I did three to four minutes of my usual material, told the audience I was going to do new material, went super well. I ended up closing with something new. And then a producer came up to me and said, oh, hi, my name is Malachi Livermore. And I was like, holy shit, are you about to cast a spell on me uh, with that kind of name? You must have a horse parked outside. Uh, so he told me who he was, what he did. He said he was the executive director of the Lucille Ball Comedy Festival. And he was the managing director of the Lucille Ball, or I'm sorry, the National Comedy Museum in Jamestown, New York, which is a congressionally funded uh, museum. And he told me that he was going to do everything that he could do to get me on the festival. And he did. And they sent me a contract and they said they were going to pay me and they were going to put me at a hotel 
And that was supposed to happen in August of this year, but we all know what happened. So they sent me another contract and they're hoping that it'll happen next year, but who the fuck knows? Ugh. Um, well, but on, on the, uh, but on the other side of it, that gives me more time to perfect my dog voice for when yeah. I uh, am on your show. So Usually I'm the one making it about myself, but tonight, Len, you're doing a good job <laughs> at that. <laughs> yeah, so that... Those this are the is my podcast, things. Jack Bag. And if, and if you can get vitamin B12 injections... I know it's so specific and so random, but if you can get vitamin, if you can get your doctor to prescribe you vitamin B12 injections, uh, thank me later. You, you will, it, it's, it's amazing, honestly. It's like how I would imagine people in Hollywood to feel after a night of drugs and sex. And, uh, <laughs> amazing. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll let you uh, we'll let you get to the uh, that that beef sandwich that is calling your name. Yeah, I don't know if I should put it in the microwave or if I should put it in the oven right now. What should I do? Oven, don't microwave it. Yeah, like because I got a toaster oven. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, Jag. Good seeing you, even though it's over Zoom. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I had a I actually had a dream about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, go ahead. It, it it was just this. It was just me and you on a Zoom call. That's all it was. Oh, all right. And I don't remember anything that I think we were just staring at each other, and that was it. I think you were having <laughs> trouble turning on your microphone. Um. Yeah, and that yeah. So you you had trouble turning on your microphone, and then when you turned it on, you started blaming the Jews, and I was very confused. <laughs> <laughs> with that note all right thank you very much thanks for thank having you, man. me good night good night good night all right funny guy very funny guy yeah. well our listeners our, our listenership will either explode or will be canceled the networks will cancel us yeah we have to put a mature audiences only on this one yeah, this this podcast is blue. <laughs> it's it's beyond blue. It's... <laughs> uh, well, maybe there's an audience out there that we didn't know we had. Mm -hmm. Even Len, they were they were funny at first, but really, when they got Jason on and started talking about orgasming Jews, <laughs> then the podcast really took off. Well, we could probably skip the recaps. We'll recap some stuff next week. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, this was also a mammoth podcast. I mean, this is going on. But next week, what's on the docket? David Bowie. Ooh. Music and life of David Bowie. Legendary career. That'll be a, that'll be a good one. Um. Well, and we'll also we'll also do our recaps on the Nicolas Cage bracket. We'll do uh, we can we can uh, we can talk to a Rolling Stone 500 list, and uh, and then our sports recaps in addition to uh, the Bowie list. And we'll also 
go through uh, reaction to tonight's podcast, which I'm sure is <laughs> extensive. <laughs> yep. All right. All right. Well, thanks very much for tuning in and tune in next week when we'll talk Bowie. And until then, when you're ready to listen, put a little jag bags in your ear. <laughs>